Hello there. Connect Podcast starts here. Your moment for updating and analyzing Brasilia and worldwide maritime and port and infrastructure issues. Each episode will bring specialists in servicing products and innovation that propel the industry and help to integrate people and countries. I'm Elise Dourado. I'm Eduardo Valença. And we invite you to join us in the roundtable that connects professional, the industry and technology. In this episode, we will talk about the port and maritime innovation ecosystem and how global startups are using data and emerging technologies to develop solutions to address historical challenges in our industry, such as underutilization of cargo transportation, reduced predictability from seabed and tide information, and increased fuel consumption. Joining us, I would like to welcome our guests, Yuri Yoselevich, CEO at DocTech, Nir Gartzman, co-founder and managing partner at The Doc, and Pedro Rocha, three very successful professionals and entrepreneurs that are at the forefront of the sport and maritime worldwide revolution. Yuri, Nir, Pedro, many thanks for accepting our invitation to participate in this episode and to share a bit of your background and perspectives. Great. It's uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Same here. Pleasure to be here with this uh, distinguished personnel around. Thanks, Eduardo and Elisio. It's great to be here participating in this interesting discussion. Nice. Thank you, gentlemen. As a starting point, could you please introduce yourself, your background, and also provide to our audience uh, an overview of your company? I will start with you, Woody. Sure, yeah. So my name is Yuri Yoselevich. I'm the CEO and founder of Doctech. I'm a former naval officer. I spent, uh, I'm a bachelor of the Israeli Naval Academy. I spent over eight years at sea as a naval officer. This is where I fell in love with uh, the sea. And afterwards, I studied computer engineering. This is where I fell in love with technology. And ever since, I'm combining those two passions together, passion for technology and passion for maritime. This is how Doctech came to life. Uh, DocTech optimizes maritime supply chain by uh, building a digital infrastructure, digital twin of the waterway. We're doing that so uh, ports can enjoy better cargo utilization, reduce risk of uh, grounding and accidents, and optimize the dredging costs, which is a big hustle in port. DocTech are based in Tel Aviv, Israel, but we are operated globally, especially in Brazil and Latin America, but now also in the United States and other locations around the world. Thank you, Uri, for this introduction. Uh, Nir, and what about you? I graduated the Naval Academy, end up as chief engineer of Israeli Navy Frigate for a few years, still active in reserve duty as instructor of the newcomers to the Naval Academy. As goes for the commercial maritime experience, I continue as a superintendent for a commercial shipping lines in Israel for a couple of years. Uh, work as a project manager in dry docks, uh, etc. Spent 2008-2009 in China, Shanghai, to oversee a shipbuilding project for Israeli ship owner. And uh, by that also met the commercial and global maritime sector. Since then, I moved to the booming high-tech sector in Israel to take uh, different management roles in the startup and the innovative ecosystem in Israel. I also done a business degree in parallel to my uh, years in the high tech 
And from my first days in the high-tech sector in Israel, I had a passion to take the innovative solution and the mindset that I met in other sector back to the more traditional maritime sector when I came from. And together with my partner, uh, Hanan Carmel, who shared the same background as high-tech professional and ex-maritime officer, we are combining our two passions in the same place, uh, high-tech and maritime, and hopefully doing a good business out of it. The dog business is to be a venture capital that focuses over the maritime ports and logistics sectors. We invested in 12 companies till date, and uh, we are happy and proud to be one of the early investors in DocTech. Nice. Thanks for sharing. And last but not least, and can you please provide us your history and background, Pedro, please? Yes, of course, Eduardo. Thanks. I'm an industrial engineer. And I joined Boos and Sons a little more than 10 years ago and worked with business development and investor relations and currently leading the company's partnerships with technology companies in helping create new digital solutions for our sector. Nice, Pedro. Actually, uh, I know that you guys have a script that Eduardo is very well organized, but every time I try to blow his script. So I have a question here that is not on the menu now. I was just reading an article today and I saw something that I want to share with you guys and see your thoughts about it. I'll quote now. Data holds the key for cutting tug emissions. I will replace now tug because tug is my playground, but they'll replace the tug for our shipping industry. I just want to hear you guys, your thoughts regarding how data can address the environment problem, environment uh, situation that uh, all the, the industry is facing right now, try to reduce the footprint. How is your perspective about it? How data can help the environment? Well, I think it's a two-phase game. And I think the first phase that is being implemented that should be is awareness. So understanding where we are and exactly what's happening around us. And the second phase would be reacting accordingly. So before looking for alternative fuels and electric uh, tugs and a lot of development that we see on that, on that uh, direction that are taking place, but will probably be five, 10 years fully implemented. We need to be very much aware of what's going on now. And the only way to really understand the current conditions is through dynamic data, which means data that's being collected and generated in real time from the waterways themselves, especially on tugs, which operate in, in very high emission areas such as ports and, and rivers. So I think it, to summarize that there's no real solution without real understanding of the problem. And this is why data plays a major role in it. Thank you, Eddie. How about you, Pedro? What are your thoughts about it? As in other industries, uh, the access to data always helps to monitor certain indicators that can help you make data-driven decisions. Um, this is done in the aviation industry. This is done in the e-commerce industry very well. Uh, you can see the success of the likes of Amazon and other companies. So uh, Wilson Sons, we've been capturing and analyzing a lot of data and combining this with novel technologies such as artificial intelligence to understand how we can improve our fleet management, our location of tugboats and baller pool, which is the how powerful the tugboat should be in each port where we operate. We analyze uh, the amount of cargo that is being handled in those ports and how it is predicted for the future and what should be the optimal capacity that we need to deploy in those ports. And that's how we define how we're going to allocate our fleet throughout the Brazilian coast and which tugs with each technology and, and how powerful we need to build 
as we renovate our fleet. This is one example uh, of how we do it in the towage business, and then we do it as well in the terminal business and the other divisions that we have in the company. Thank you, Pedro. Nhi, probably you have a broader perspective in different areas as well. Could you share with us your thoughts about it? Just to build on the great insights of Pedro and Uri, if you want to manage something, you have to measure it. So you have to measure the implications today to understand how future technology will support sustainability goals. If you, as a customer of the industry, want to measure how the cargo that you are transporting is causing and affect the environment, you have to have the elements to measure what is happening today on the vessel, on the port. If you're talking about a future carbon tax, and there is a lot of talks about it in different international conventions, so you have to know how to measure the current situation, the future situation, etc. Actually, we see many ports around the world and many companies like uh, DocTech with the real-time uh, seabed or Sinai from uh, France or company like uh, Brizometer from Israel that's doing it for cities and uh, around the ports. Uh, there is increased interest on measuring environmental data for numerous reasons. And I believe that the maritime and port sector uh, will have to go this way. And every port and every service provider in the space will need one way or another to adopt some technology to measure those metrics. Nice. Thanks, you guys, for sharing your knowledge with us. Uri, actually, uh, even though I, I met you a while ago, I never asked you that. You have more than 13 years of experience in the industry, more precisely to analyze seabed partnering behaviors. How did you come up with the idea to create DocTech? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question, actually, because how does one become you know, interested in underwater behavior unless you were uh, struck by it in the past? So actually, as a naval cadet, Way, way back, I had a, an experience where the first vessel I, I was positioned on, uh, on our way out of the port of uh, Haifa, we hit the ground on the way out. So, the, so we had an, a grounding accident. And uh, I remember this event as a, you know, back in the day, I was very young. And I remember that as a very horrific experience where when we were dragging, dragged back to the ship and then the shipyard, we have to be lifted for four months up in the air. We had sonar damage, hull damage and a lot of other implications. And, and I remember that I thought about, you know, how is this possible when we have so much technology that I'm learning to be in charge of? We have so much technology and so much navigation sensors that are really, really good and getting better and better. And then I looked over the other side of the port, which is the container terminal of the port. And we drafted three and a half meters. And in front of me, there is a vessel that's drafting 15 meters and I say, there's have to be a, a better way. So that was kind of the point of time where this whole uh, seabed constraints uh, started to pop up in my head. Nah, very nice, Yuri. Very nice. Very nice. Very interesting. Here, as a venture capitalist, working in an old-fashioned industry like shipping. Even though you're young, the industry is the common ground for the industry is being old-fashioned, the old way of doing business. How do you think that the big players are preparing themselves to this transformation that we're facing right now? A lot of startups popping up all around the world to try to address every problem that we have in shipping business. What do you think about it? We are prepared to do that. We are willing to do that. First of all, Alicia, I will say the following. 
when the day will come that everybody around every table of venture capitalists in US, in Brazil, in uh, Berlin, in London will say, oh, shipping, uh, high-tech investment, this is obvious, this is a great market, great opportunities, this will be five years too late to be a wise venture capitalist. To invest in the future autonomous cars was considered to be a completely a moonshot 15 years ago. Today, we have companies like Mobileye that sold to Intel in $15 billion for implementing uh, road safety. But when Mobileye started, I work in another automotive uh, company in Israel that, uh, that w- doesn't succeed at the end. It was completely out of scale and non any venture capitalist around was thinking to back a uh, mobility startup company. Today, you have many mobility startups and many applications for electrification and shared mobility, etc. If you look on the successful M&As and IPOs, you will see that the early seed investors done it 12, 15, 16 years ago when nobody saw this as a future opportunity. So always have to be before the curve, ahead of the curve, if you want to do something significant in the future. And any good idea sounds uh, ridiculous at the start. I I hear very talented people in the industry uh, didn't get at the start what uh, Uri Ucilevich is trying to pull out with with DocTech. And uh, I think that it speaks for itself that today the more visionary and open-minded people understand exactly how by technology he reshaped legacy industry and legacy methods of surveying the, the ground. But again, I feel that this is the right time, not too early and definitely not too late to invest in the sector. Pedro, what can you share with us regarding uh, Wilson Sons? What is the company doing to address this transformation and this startup profusion? So, Eduardo, for Wilson Sons, I believe transformation is part of our DNA. And I see that this can be evidenced by our track record of almost two centuries in both the port and maritime sectors. The company has been preparing itself for the significant transformation that will be experienced by the maritime industry in the coming years, given the technological advances and growing demand for the sector to become more efficient and sustainable, uh, reducing its carbon footprint. And given this perspective, the company continuously monitors market trends as a fundamental step towards participating in this transformation and generating value from it. We specifically assess which technologies can improve our operations and create new digital offerings, as well as reduce business risks. Since 2019, we've been part of the Ubu Itaú, which is the largest innovation ecosystem in Latin America. And we've also been engaging with companies like the DOC and other innovation hubs internationally, as well as engaging with um, several startups and technology companies that operate in our sectors and bring new technologies to the industry. And Wilson Sun's partnership with DocTech is a good example of how we combine pioneering technologies with our expertise and assets to deliver new digital solutions to our clients and explore unique market opportunities. Great. And Uri, we are talking about how big players from our industry is, how they are addressing this uh, emerging technologies developments and profusion. But from your perspective as a founder uh, of a startup, 
how are you experience this engagement and the adoption of new technologies by these customers? I mean, what do you think uh, from your perspective, how they are welcoming new and disruptive technology? Well, it's much better than it used to. You know, like every new technology or even new mindset, new mindset shift that we are uh, seeing, there are the early adopters and the mass adopters and the late adopters. And I think we see it now. I feel that we are past the time where the early adopters, the really early adopters were, were the only ones you can talk to. I believe that now the awareness of you know the supply chain specifically the maritime supply chain is really high you cannot afford not to be talking about digitalization you cannot afford not to talk about sustainability because your stakeholders will want that and people care so i think it's in that matter it's great time to be around now i would say in addition that it's not been this way 2 3 years ago we had to cherry pick the partners. We had to cherry pick the, the potential customers and in order to get ahead, because otherwise it was a waste of time and resources. You need to go in the, you know, the lowest hanging fruit methodology. So look for the partners that understand you and play ball with them, create with them. And this is something that's very important, I think, in every industry, but in our industry, especially. Interesting. And Nir, as a venture capitalist, I, the doc, I would say, is in the middle of the avenue. So you are uh, between the startups and big players from our in the industries. And of course, the port and maritime market uh, is huge and concentrates around uh, 90% of all the international trade. So there are plenty of challenges to be addressed. So in your opinion and understanding, I would say these two uh, different worlds, startups and big players challenges, what are the technological trends for the medium and uh, long term in our industry? So what you are, uh, what do you understand that that will be more and more important in the near future. First of all, I fully agree with Uri that the days of only early adopters talking about innovation has passed. We move forward. When we started, we recognized Chief Digital Officer in MERS, VP Innovation in Lloyd's Register, venture arm, new venture arm in Port of Singapore, and this is it. Two, three years afterwards, uh, every major shipping line, port organization, logistic provider had their own uh, chief digital officer in place with a team, VP innovation, scouting uh, programs. Uh, the idea that uh, they have to be there with digitalization is fully emerging in the industry. So this is a first. Second, about the, the upcoming technologies, I will say the following. It's very hard today to recruit new human capital into labor-intensive, repetitive work in any industry. It could be in construction industry, it could be a truck driver, it could be a port and tug workers. The new people that coming into the labor market are digital native by definition. They have ability in most of the developed world, they have other opportunities to, to pursue. So uh, you have to go into automation and digitalization of some uh, repetitive processes. It's starting from uh, make sure that you can streamline your office work without papers and without faxes and uh, copy machines. I don't think about uh, Amazon executive that want to work with a company and learn how to use fax machine because this is how the shipping lines is working. 
It's the other way around. You have to adopt digitalization in order to survive. And second, all the repetitive work that could be automated will be automated in the few years to come. And we'll see more sophisticated workers that dealing with uh, engineering, control, maintenance, sophisticated equipment, and less the repetitive work of the crane handler that uh, doing the same process with his feet and the joystick again and again over the entire shift. And again, even sometimes it's a little bit more pricey to adopt these uh, automated technologies. Uh, You have to go there because literally in many of the countries, you don't have enough uh, labor and you experience labor shortage in those areas of businesses. Thank you. Thank you, Nir. I would like to explore a little bit. So we are talking about trends and the relationship between big players and startups. And we have here today, uh, Woody as a founder of a maritime startup and Pedro as uh, representing uh, a big player from our industry. So if you can share how, what are the pros and cons uh, between this relationship? So I will start with you, Woody. How, in your opinion, Wilson Sons uh, is supporting your, I would say, your journey? And afterwards, I'd like to hear from Pedro how uh, the other way around, I mean, how the startup supports Wilson Sons' uh, journey as well. So if you can talk a, a little about this. It's a tricky one. Eduardo has courage. <laughs> <laughs> Very badly. No, um... not the commercial one. The commercial is wonderful. <laughs> well, it's important to say that the towage division is just extraordinary, really. Great people, hardworking. So to answer your question, I think it's a tangle, right? You need both sides. So on one hand, you need somebody to provide the drive and the power, the technology and oversight. But on the other hand, you need somebody to reach out with a hand and establish a trust relationship. And I think that was one of the things that we were very fortunate to have is a partner that we can trust and that trust us. And mind you, I've never set foot in Brazil. I've never met anyone from Wilson Sons in real life. That means that it has to be done over uh, Google Meet calls and Zoom calls uh, throughout two years of engagement. And I think that was very unique on our end. But I don't think it, it's common to see a towage company invest in innovation, especially in outside on a global scale or outside of, a, of a Brazil in particular. And I think that was something that we, we felt very comfortable in working with. So it was, you create an environment when you can say stuff like, I don't know, I'm not sure. I think that this is the way, this is what we should do, or we've done that and that was wrong. So now I'm changing. Now we need to change what we thought. So if you create an environment, and I think this is what we were able to create here is an environment where you could be wrong and an environment that's supporting you to be wrong as fast as possible. So you can correct yourself and then do it right the next time. So that's on our end. And from your end, Pedro? From Wilson Sun's end and, and my end, of course, it's quite interesting. As I said before, Wilson Sun's is a 184-year company and our In our core business is connecting what Woody said. We're not allowed to always test new things, you know, and make mistakes because you're dealing with very big assets, you know. And with digital services, we can try and deliver insights and and make adjustments and get constant feedback from the clients and the technology company. And, And then we go back and we do adjustments to the, for example, in the case of DocTech, to the sensors that we have on the tugboats because we are also testing, you know, we're testing 
on our towage operations. We're testing on the service that we are delivering to the client. So this is very interesting to be able to create new things on a weekly basis because ideas come and we sit down on, on Google meetings and with the client, with DocTech and with our executives as well, which support us a lot. As Cody said, this is where it came from. This, we have a lot of support from our executives, both in the towage business and our executives officers as well. And, and yes, it's good to innovate. We think there's a lot of potential in this industry. The work that we have done with DocTech in Brazil so far is amazing. The feedback is amazing from the industry and, and the main players. We're working at very big ports like the Port of Santos, and there's a lot to do, and we're very excited. Eduardo, I will answer to you. I thank you that, I mean, it's good that Eduardo brought this to the table because uh, like any given big organization, we are used to get, we are lazy to make decisions. That's the truth. And when I discussed to you, I see they have speed up my process, my decision process. Uh, it helps me not just for the digital. It helps me for the, the traditional towage business as well. And I think that another thing is to take risk. Like Pedro said, we are head assets, you're a lot of investment. We are afraid to take the risk sometimes. But I mean, we are learning how to take risk, of course, in a conservative perspective. But uh, we are learning how to take some risks. I think that it's, uh, it's good for us. Uh, it's good for our traditional way of doing business to have a different perspective to approach the market, to approach our internal process as well. And when we are talking, uh, now I would like to hear from you, uh, Anir. When we are talking about new technologies, global trade, I would like to hear from you. I mean, is there? can we pick up any country that is leading, I would say, or any company or country that is leading this new technologies uh, discussion, if you could point out? And, and also, a uh, second question is, there are any regulatory framework that needs to be addressed with these new technologies that are being constantly developing and raising, I mean, for instance, autonomous vessels? I mean, how can we regulate them from a global perspective? I mean, what are you seeing about this? First of all, regarding specific areas. So, as you know, there is a testbed area including I'm fjord in the Nordics and aspiration to do uh, areas of test for autonomous shipping in uh, Singapore and many uh, consortiums of different companies alongside academic research institutes alongside the government support we can recognize especially in Singapore also in Japan in their vision for 2040 for fully autonomous and connected near-shore fleet or the coastal fleets. And uh, definitely there is some companies, visionary companies that uh, present also in Brazil, like PSA, Port of Singapore, like MERS with their offering to their customers for lower uh, emission routes to ship their goods. And the local companies like uh, Wilson Sons that actively invest in startups that making the future maritime world uh, safer and more transparent. I definitely agree that in order to uh, help those technologies to evolve, it's have to come together with public-private partnerships. I believe that the countries that will develop internal capabilities in innovation uh, in the future is the countries that the 
local regulators will go together with the industry to allow framework for uh, test areas, autonomous tests, etc. I think that on the global scale, like in every other sector, the global regulators will adopt only after more nimble and fast to adopt areas in the world will uh, will do so. It's happened with cars, it's happened with drones. You still, in the first place, you have specific countries that authorize the specific drones to have autonomous operation in their area, in their uh, air area, and later on, you are followed by international guidelines. So this is uh, both challenge and an opportunity, because if you can pull the strings to make sure you will collaborate with local local authorities in Brazil to develop those capabilities, maybe you will be one of the leading regions in the world in adopting those technologies that will be widespread over the next decade. So we can say that the technology came first and the regulation came uh, later always in any any in the industry. Maybe we uh, we can talk about uh, this as well. I mean, about uh, the his journey in Brazil. Uh, I mean, of course, that we need to regulate the software and all the seabed and depth measurements. If you can explore a little bit about this with you as well. Sure. So I think a nice comparison uh, will be to something like the FDA. We are all aware that all uh, vaccines have been through a process when they need, you know, they need to be vetted and approved for global use. And we are doing a digital twin of a seabed. We are monitoring seabed. It's it's a hydrographic, it has a hydrographic aspect. And there is an entity in charge of hydrographic standards. It's called the ILHO, the International Hydrographic Office. At the beginning, we say, hey, great, you know, we'll go like a hydrographic, like the FDA format. We look, what do we need to apply with, right? All the different standards that we need to apply. We get approval and that's it. But apparently it's much more complicated than that because you have global regulator, which is the IHO, and in every different country you have different regulations. So I'm just saying that it it is t- it does take more effort, especially when you are innovating in, in a very like traditional field of technology. But ever since we started, now there's a working groups of the IHO that is focused in on setting the standards for crowdsourced bathymetry or technologies that are similar to ours. So we are moving ahead, but it's only after you show the potential, you show the technology and you start speaking about that. And I think that's the way it should be. So regulation will always trail technology and innovation, in my belief. Nice. Nice. I agree. I would like to add something here that What we saw in the last couple of years with the COVID pandemic and how it helped accelerate the technology adoption in the industry, I think especially with the ever-given incident in the Suez Canal, where regular, the overall population understood better what, what happens when a 24,000 TU container ship gets stuck in a very important waterway for the trade of goods, blocking some estimated 12% of global trade daily, then we need to balance the regulatory bureaucracy and the adoption of technology. Because imagine what if we had um, technologies such as the solutions that DocTech is delivering, combining that with AIS data and other novel technologies that are being developed, maybe we could prevent that kind of incident. And as ships get bigger, these incidents can cause uh, losses of billions of dollars and can impact global trade and, and global economy 
very hard. So I think now it, the regulatory agencies and ports and the overall industry will adopt it faster and, and understand that we always need to balance the benefit that it brings and, and the bureaucracy that is important, as the case that he mentioned about vaccines. We have a risk there that needs to be addressed to prevent bigger issues. But I think this is very positive. Thank you, Pedro. We are running out of time here so we could stay here for over uh one two three hours more thank you guys i don't know Elisio, if you have anything else to share i would like to give maybe Nir, Uri, and pedro final words it was a wonderful and reach around the table today if you think that in my time in industry is old-fashioned i think now we we are we just realized that a lot of things is going on so the technology has came to stay and to improve the process, to improve the quality of the services, to optimize the usage of the assets, to address the environmental concern of the companies. So I think that it's nice one, guys. Very things to think about it, how we can improve our process and how we can use the tech companies to address our problems as a traditional company. Yeah, I, I would say uh, two things. And uh, I think we should be more optimistic towards the end of this. We always say that the maritime is traditional and it's hard to on- innovate. And I, I, I want to push back a little bit on that. I think the reason that it's hard to innovate in core uh, strategical areas in the world, like hospitals and, and ports, it's because it costs a lot to stop there's a really hard implication to error, to building things wrong. It's hard to stop a port. Like Pedro said, the Suez Canal stopped for eight days and the world went nuts. So the reason that it was slow and embrace it's because it's working all the time. Not as efficient, not that good, could be a lot better, but it is working and things are going, cargo is moving from point A to point B. So that's one. And the second, for me, being in this you know, sector if for a while now, sitting here talking on maritime innovation with a towage company. I mean, this is just incredible. I mean, this is where we are right now. And I think this is just an outstanding way of explaining how well, how far did we come and how well are we in the terms of embracing innovation. So we have VC that is solely focusing on maritime. We have a company, a towage company, traditional towage company, focusing on innovation And I think we are really on the right track. So I'm really looking forward to see what will happen in the next couple of years in our sector. Thank you. How about you, Nia? Cheers to that, Uri. I think that I fully agree with everything that Uri said. And uh, really, we are here in a room and hopefully sooner than later in a bar together of people all around the world that uh, walking the talk just by delivering this message out through podcasts, through Spotify and others, is just uh, another step in going forward with innovation and digitalization in the space. In last word, Pedro. Well, I agree with my colleagues here. I think there's no turning back. We're in a fast track now, I would say. It's very exciting the, the next couple of years, what will happen in the industry and the transformation, and we'll sure be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Connect Podcast ends here. Thank you for joining. If you want to talk to us, please go to wilsonsons.com.br. I'm Eduardo Valença. I'm Elis Dourado. And we hope to see you in the next episode to talk about the new topic of port and maritime infrastructure in Brazil and worldwide. See you then. <laughs>